What is going on, Only Playbook fans? We are back. Championships are over. If you play a Week 18 championship, I have one advice for you. Tell your commissioner to stop that because very few places are going to give you advice for Week 18 because it is a shit show. So we have to recap Week 17. Um, I don't know that I want to recap, recap it. I might just let Shashot take over, drive the whole episode, and I'll just <laughs> sit in a corner. Um, but lo and behold, Shashot, the guy who had the best team from week one, just consistent as it gets, ends up pulling up the dub. First championship since 2015, Shashot. So yeah, in this league, there's a plenty of championships every single year, but this league, it was a big drought, and uh, we we've quenched that thirst. Yeah. How does it feel, man? How does it feel? It almost feels. I don't know how it feels. I'm going to ask you because you know, it felt like you almost should have won it from the beginning and you won it. So there was just no real surprise I, for everybody I mean, else. I told you guys like when the playoffs began, I was like, it's a little stagnant because I didn't really change my lineups much because I didn't really have many injuries to deal with. And then all of a sudden I was playing seven on nine in the semifinals and then injured right before the day of my second uh, ranked wide receiver, running back goes down and my number one tight end is no longer there. So, you know, the whole philosophy here is from the same philosophy since our mock draft since week one and that's you gotta have a bench you gotta be prepared with a depth all throughout the season you can't like if if one injury happens there's got to be a next man up especially in the playoffs and that was the whole philosophy till the end and that's literally the only reason i survived was was because of that so yeah and and what's what's interesting about the whole depth thing is you're, i absolutely agree with you um i just happened to be caught on the other end of depth in my other league where i had too much depth and yeah, then when you have too much depth things. you're like who, who do i start things. And then you start the wrong guy, you know? So yeah. uh, I was also thinking about Shovet, your and I, Olave versus Pacheco trade. Yeah. And, you know, again, the ripple effects of that. Olave was great all, all the entire time of the trade. And then in the absolute finals mm -hmm. when I needed him, Pacheco drops like 30 and Olave drops like three. So, you know, and then the Devontae Adams situation started him last week in one league, benched him last week in one league, 0.9 points. Oh, and going into championship weekend, I just don't know how anybody had confidence in starting him. And then he drops a 32 burger, right? So, um, just, I think all of that to say that you can take away things, but at the same time, I also don't really know what I learned because I felt like I played the game pretty well from start to finish. And at the end, you know, that the cards just kind of played how they played out. So I, I don't know if you should show it as somebody who, uh, avoided the Sacco. Luckily you won your final matchup. So congrats <laughs> on not winning the Sacco. What did you learn? Uh, aside from the fact that it sucks having a shit ton of injuries because we yeah, all know it sucks, man. But I think that a lot of it, like you do, you, you use all your skills to get to the playoffs and at the playoffs, like you just never know what's going to happen. And a lot of it has to do with luck, right? Getting to the playoffs is skills. And then after that, you just kind of hope for the best and hope that CD lamb doesn't score 40 points on you or, or something. Yo, something for like sure, that. bro. I mean, yeah. that's why I made it to the finals nine times and only won three times. Like it, you can only do so much, right? I do have a couple of, um, like basically things I learned, it's just a rapid fire, you know, things that you should kind of keep a note of for next year or uh, whatever, like basically tips at the end of the year. I'm just going to go through them real quick. Let's you said, first you said, how are you feeling? I feel relieved. It's that's the best way I can think of my life. I got my life back. I have time for things. I, I'm, I'm excited for this. It's like winning the championship. Anybody, you know, what are you doing next? I'm going to Disneyland. Well, I want to have a normal life. So that's how I feel. I'm excited that Benny's football is over. Number two, you have to be willing to reach in these drafts, right? Like people get too complacent on ADP and everything. ADP is just a suggestion by some guy that created it. It doesn't mean anything. At the end of the day, you want to go get certain players that other people are, uh, you know, may get may get later than you know they may be gone when you really want them. Get them early. That's that's number one. Number three, know when to drop somebody, right? Like mm. you're not 
again, you're not having a daycare in your bench, right? Like you can only keep Kareem Hunt in your bench for so long when you until you realize you're never going to use him, right? So know when to drop someone. That's a big one. And then know when someone's floor is nice enough to fill in for a buy, which is also Kareem Hunt, right? So it's, it's the same philosophy. You have to make those decisions. And decision-making is when people start panicking and going on podcasts and asking us, what do we do? Do I start Rashad White or do I start blah, blah, blah? You know what I mean? Like you have to be able to make those decisions and you got to kind of like stop um, stop beating yourself over that. And then the next one is draft consistency, right? We get We get a little cute sometimes. We're like, oh, you know, the hottest name in the game is I want that guy on my team because I want everybody to know that I knew that he was going to go. It doesn't do anything for you at the end of the season, right? Get somebody unsexy that you know will get targets. For example, TJ Hawkinson. I had to reach to get that guy on my team because towards the end of the year previously, I saw that Kirk Cousins loves this guy. He just loves him. He's going to get me 10 targets a game. Get him. Go get him, right? It's consistency. You need consistent targets. And then believe in your methods, right? Like you're going to hear things from this guy, that guy. Oh, well, he got 21 points last week. You're going to bench the 21 pointer next, next week. Yeah. If the matchup's right. And if I, if it's in my heart and I'm not going to get beat myself up over my decisions, that, that's number one. Honestly, that is number one. You cannot let a decision change your decision the next time up. Every week is a new week. It's a new game. There's no connection to last week. There's nothing. So players trends matter. If you're using like quarterbacks, like, you know, uh, tendencies to throw to the right side more than left side, those things matter. But if you're saying like, oh, he scored three straight weeks, I'm not going to bend somebody that scored three straight weeks. I don't give a shit. doesn't mean anything. He could easily not catch a touchdown. Touchdowns, depending on touchdowns, is like a loser, loser mentality. And then last but not least, literally final um, piece of advice, you know, fantasy is a lot like health. It's like, it's like, it's like your health, right? You can't smoke and drink and expect to live to 90 right? Some people sneak by and they'll do it, right? Sure. Congratulations. You did it. You cheat death till 90 years old. Good job. Same thing with fantasy. If you're not going to wake up at 3 a.m. to fix your waivers, if you're not going to, you know, wake up Sunday morning after a night out drinking, if you're not going to l- listen to our podcast, whatever the case is, the chances of you making the finals is not as high as the guy that's doing it. So you got to put in work. You're, you don't get to make the playoffs without putting in work. Sounds Period. like dodgeball, right? Like you can't, if you do, can't dodge a ranch, can't dodge a dodgeball. You can't. You can't. You can't. If you don't wake up, you're not going to win. Right. I think those are all great, valid points. Um, and I agree. You know, imagine being in a league with the three of us, knowing that we have a podcast, knowing that we're just giving out free advice, and people just still don't listen, and then still make the wrong decisions, and then still wonder why they don't win. And and you're just like, man, the equation is in front of your face. Maybe yep. if you could just put two and two Pretty together, the, um, the- to show. Go ahead, yeah. Chubb. No, the one that really uh, sticks out is like picking the player that's not the like that has a better name or better ped- pedigree, then that is consistent. Like, for example, Michael Pittman is a guy that like I don't want to draft Michael Pittman, especially with like the quarterback <clears throat> situation, Anthony Richardson, mm-hmm. whether or not he can get it to him all the time, and the Garden Minshew. Like, but that's a guy that's consistent that gets points week in week yeah. out, and so uh, that's a that's a solid point that that you made there. Yeah, I think I think that's a very valid thought because the I guess the emotional side of fantasy football is you're always going to have a attachment or a stigma or some sort of notion right. to every player that's been on your player on your team or hasn't been on your team. Uh you've traded them away or you forgot to draft them, you want to mm-hmm. draft them, et cetera. Right. So there's always this preconceived notion with a lot of players. And if you play this long enough, you're just like, oh, that's a guy that I know is always going to do good, but I'm never going to draft. And there's so many of those players. And you just want like a Monray St. Brown, a, like oh, yeah. a guy that I'm just stupid and never draft. I'm just like, yeah, you know, yeah. it's fine. Like yeah. he'll do good. I just don't want him. And he was a top five wide receiver this year. And I'm looking back like, man, I'm an idiot. So yeah. there's guys that you just have to 
do away with what you're because you said week to week, like there's people that have seasons on seasons of the same notion in their brain show. And you're over here like, no, nah, bro, week 16 and week 17, the players, the situation completely different. So I think again, taking a even further lens back, right? Season to season, Devonte Adams for me, prime example, dude's a freaking God, one of the best receivers of our lifetime. And I think for that reason alone, for me, the emotional yeah. side of that draft, it, I can remember it to this day. I'm like, can I pass up Devonte Adams and sit all season with Shashot having Tyreek Hill and Devonte Adams, right. and then me being like, I just handed him the championship. That was my thought process, and I was like, yeah. there's just no world where I could do that. I'm like, naturally, I'm going to take Devonte. I wanted Devonte, but again, that's the way the cookie crumbles. So, um, I think I think the season played out really organically in a way because again, start to finish, you had the best team. I don't think there was a week where maybe you weren't on top unless it was like the first three weeks or four weeks in the season. Uh, but you might have been number one seed for. You know the length of the week four is when it switched over. Yeah, yeah. week show four, it, you showed it, and you beat me, and then that's right. after that I didn't lose. Until, and then JJ uh, went down, and the rest is history. Yeah. yeah, like and so yeah, so from week four on, every every week it was basically you had the best team. Uh, and at what point were you going to slip up? Was a player going to get hurt? Was your team just going to underperform or something like that? And it truly didn't happen, man. And kudos to you. Again, like you talked about the reaching, you reached for Rashad White, and he was one of the best running backs in football. You reached for TJ Hawkinson. He was the number one tight end, number two tight end if he didn't get hurt, number one tight end if he didn't get hurt, right? So you got to be the ones. That's the saying, and Shashot was the epitome of that this year. Um, so I think you definitely deserved it. So let's start off with you. What was your favorite pick? Of the entire CD draft Lamb. for you across all leagues. CD Lamb. CD Lamb? Period. I won it two out of three fantasy football leagues. And the three things in common in both those leagues, CD Lamb, TJ Hawkinson, Rajad White. Yeah. And those were all three were top three finishers at their position. Yeah. Well, Rashad White, I think dropped to four. And I think TJ Hawkinson may have ended up three or four because of the injury. But yeah. Yeah, it's that's it. Like you have to know what you're going into the draft. Like prepare for the draft. Know what you want. If you're just going in there for shits and giggles to have a beer, congratulations on your first round exit or like you're possibly not making the playoffs. Like who's if you're we're not playing around here. This isn't a game. I just got a flashback. You weren't there for the draft last year, Shisho, but in the first round. Sonnes was trying to look for Devo Samuel. He was like, I don't see Devo Samuel's ADP here. Like, I want to try to take him at four. And we're like, are you talking about Devo Samuel or Devo Samuel? He's like, no, Devo Samuel. Like, where's Devo Samuel? And we were just laughing hysterically. And so that's the guy that's coming in for a beer when he's trying to get Devo Samuel in the first round. Sorry, Sonnes. I love you, bro. But um, anyways, favorite pick, CD Lamb, pretty straightforward. Show it across your fantasy football leagues. What was your favorite draft pick that you uh, hit on? Yeah, so my favorite pick was Sam Laporta, drafted 170th, uh, 14th nice. pick, finished as tight end number one, averaged like 14.2 uh, PPR points per game. So I think that was solid because this year tight end was tough, right? Like people are drafting Travis Kelsey, not getting what they want from Kelsey, and and Mark Andrews even got injured. So Sam Laporta was a nice kind of, uh, you know, just just uh, productive, uh, consistent yeah. In a spot where nobody else is getting points, you know. Yeah. And Sam Laporte is not a guy that people typically drafted either. There's, they were, he would definitely went yeah. off the uh, draft did. boards and was a guy that people may picked up in waivers. And uh, he was a nice addition this year for me. Yeah, I would say that's a home run of a hit in the 14th round. Um, for me, it was pretty straightforward. Uh, my team, I would say Josh Allen was my favorite pick just because he was the most consistent pick. Um, you know, every pretty much every week, week in and week out. He pretty much had a solid, solid floor, the rushing upside. The fact that they moved to more of a running offense actually helped him because he started getting tush push touchdowns like uh, Jalen Hurts. So if that's taking next year, if that's kind of what next year's looks like, then Josh Allen's going to be QB1 again, man. 
four years in a row, Allen QB2, QB1, QB1, QB1. So, I mean, there's no quarterback in fantasy football across the last four years uh, that has been there. And I went into the draft not thinking I was drafting quarterback, but again, the situation, uh, he fell to me. And so for me, that was my favorite pick. And let's go on to the flip side. My least favorite pick was two rounds after that. I took Mr. Cam Akers, who's not even on a football team right now. So he was my worst pick. But what's crazy about that is at the end of the season, I still had the Rams starting running back and he was still a top five running back. It just happened to be Kyron Williams. So that was my, yeah. Oh, he's going to be, he's going to be a first round pick. It's going to be insane. Uh, He was the best running back behind CMC. I think he was second in rushing yards, missing four or five weeks. So pretty insane uh, the season that he had. Um, show it. What was your least favorite pick? My least favorite pick is Najee Harris in the fifth <laughs> round, man. I wish that I would have just gotten, I had this whole receiver strategy going when three receivers, I was like, I'm done. But I wish I had gotten like four or five receivers and not even looked at running backs. Uh, but Najee Harris was not consistent. I, in the, like towards, you know, week 16 and 15, he had a really good game. The running back rushing game is doing really well for the Steelers. But Man, the beginning of the season. Was if you had so him at that bad. point, there's no you probably you, weren't even not, in the playoffs, so no. it didn't matter, right? Yeah. Yeah. As like RB one or two, uh, he was just not not it. And the Steelers offense in general just was not it this year. That's a great example, Shashot, of ADP. Najee Harris actually's ADP was in the third round, and he yeah. fell to what the fifth for us. Yeah, and at we, that point, Shovit was like, dude, this is a steal. Dude, and right, him, right, ADP is a steal. But at the end of the season, was it a steal? No, it actually wasn't a steal, right? So um, two rounds later, where his ADP went, you were like, dude, fifth round, Najee, starting running back, you got to take him. But man, uh, that's a really good example of one that it just didn't really matter. What about you, Shashot? Did you have any bad picks? (laughs) Yeah, I did have a bad pick. Um, So uh, my worst pick was probably Deshaun Watson. Um, I went a little bit, he was like the next one after Herbert. I could have had some other better players out there. You know, um, there's a couple of names that I got a little bit later, but I had a lot of bad picks in my other league. I went to Sean Watson. I had Michael Thomas. I drafted, I drafted Algier. I drafted Kareem Hunt. You know, I drafted Mingo. You know, none of those players on my team. If you look at the week one squad versus week three, week final week squad, the only thing consistent is Rashad White and Bijan Robinson and Chris Olave. So three players lasted all year long. And even then I had to go with the Bijan Robinson struggles early on. Chris Olave was injured a couple of times. So it's like, it's a complete transformation from one team to a whole new team. Um, so yeah, Deshaun Watson, I went a little early, but um, yeah, I, I think next year I'm still going to get him. I, I, I still see this, this hint of late, possibly like a late round flyer that I'm just going to scoop up and just see what's going on. I don't think he wants to play football anymore, but I would like for him to. Yeah, I mean, it, this is a way too early 2024 prediction, guys. But with the amount of rookie quarterbacks that I see getting drafted just in the first round alone, mm-hmm. I think we're going to have like 20 oh my God. quarterbacks in the NFL that you For could sure. possibly start in fantasy football For because sure. the amount of quarterbacks now that are just rushing alone yeah. is insane. So yeah. uh, it's going to be it's going to be a weird draft last or next year for sure. Um, biggest missed out opportunity. For me is a no-brainer. You already talked about it. It's CD Lamb. I, I just passed up CD Lamb. I took Devontae Adams. I I mean, again, looking back on it, my preseason rankings, I still had Adams over Lamb. So I followed the process that I, yeah. I believed in. So uh, I think there wasn't a world where I was taking Lamb there. So it's one of those where I can't look back and be like, man, if I had taken Lamb, I wasn't taking Lamb, right? There was mm-hmm. I wasn't gonna take CD Lamb. Uh, so that is by far the biggest missed out opportunity for me. Shove it. What about you? 
Yeah, for me, it's the second pick. I went with Jamar Chase instead of going with CMC, who finished number one as a running back. And Jamar Chase finished ninth. And a part of it was due to the fact that Joe Burrow got injured, right? And uh, and so that, that has a lot to do with it. But missing out on the number one player because I went with a receiver instead of CMC, uh, it just sucks. So that that was that was my missed opportunity. Hey, join the club on back to back years where we passed up on CMC for another guy and he ended up being <laughs> shittier. I took Jonathan Taylor. So maybe next uh, year ooh. one of us will learn not to pass up on CMC and then it'll be the year where he's out for season after. Yeah, one. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> what about you, Shout? Um, I mean, you know, some of the players I was targeting got er- hurt early on. Like I wanted Nick Chubb. I was really upset I didn't get him at towards the end. I wanted Tony Pollard, who I'm glad I didn't get him, right? Who's a bigger disappointment besides without looking at ADP? Austin Eckler or Tony Pollard? Tony Ooh, Pollard. Who really fucked shit up? I Tony think Austin Eckler. So yeah. the reason the reason I think so we can make a case. The reason I think Tony Pollard is I think Austin Eckler still had like four or five weeks where he had twenty plus points, mm-hmm. right? So he wasn't doom and gloom every single week. Tony Pollard, I don't know. If you look at Tony Pollard's uh, game log, does he have any? Uh, how many twenty plus him? points? Oh, he, dude, he has the worst red zone conversion rate of any player in the entire NFL. Rico Dowdle got, I think, one sixth or one seventh of the red zone carries that mm. Pollard did and converted at a better rate. Yeah. So I think Eckler had four or five weeks where he had 20 plus fantasy points, if I'm not mistaken. I don't know how many Pollard had. I had Pollard in my other league. Week one. He had That's one true. week with 20 plus fantasy points? Yeah, that was week yeah. one. Yeah, he's he's to no me he's guy. the biggest bust. To me, I, I'm saying Eckler because when you draft Eckler, you draft him. And I know you talked to you said take no ADP aside, yeah. no ADP. But like if you get him like the third pick, which some people may have done, Pollard is more of a second round guy. And so you know you don't your best player that just completely shits the bed like that. Uh, yeah. What you expect from your number one pick, it, it just you just didn't get that from Eckler. So okay. yeah, I mean I, they, they, I think they'll both for sure go down as the biggest busts for the yeah. year. Um. I mean, that's really all I had. I, I, I wanted to, what's funny is when I drafted Cam Akers, the running backs that went after him are all just make me want to blow my brains out. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have James Cook, who you took, DeAndre Swift, uh, Raheem Mostert, who you took, David Montgomery, who you took, uh, Javante Williams. Um, so a lot of running backs there that ended up being just a lot better than him. Um, but all in all, I thought it was a great year. Um, I don't really, I, I don't know. I don't know that Sometimes you look at you look back at fantasy football and again I'm like what what can I take away like if you guys are me right put yourself in my shoes as in our league what where do you think I can potentially get better what could I have done differently not going with an aging running back I think that's a that's a lesson I've learned uh, actually not going with aging anything the chances of getting another um you know like who who was the receiver that was kind of old that did pretty well? Um, Mike Evans, Keenan Allen, oh, Mike, Mike Evans, Evans, Keenan Allen, exactly right. So those two guys, like it's great when they do go off, but the chances of them going off at that at the rate that they did as as age, they get older, yeah, at, at this age is, is minimal, right? So like if you don't want them that early, that's fine. But Mike Evans was going at a at a good pace, you know, like he it's a steal at his spot. Um, but you know like Saquon Barkley in the first round, late first round aging running back. That's like a death sentence. Now that I look back at what I did, I got Saquon Barkley and Devonta Adams, just like you did. You survived for a lot longer. I did. Cause you picked up Kyron Williams, made some good choices. And, um, I lost in the final, in the playoffs in my IDP league, uh, because of those two guys. So yeah, I think from moving forward, you know, this year I st- actually started that philosophy in our league. As far as, you know, I went, I remember the pre-draft rankings. I went with James Cook, Khalil Herbert, and Rashad White, right? At the end of the season, 
week 17, those three guys are, are on my roster. Somehow, some way they ended up getting, um, you know, on my roster. But that's that's the idea here. The idea is young, youthful running backs and reliable target-heavy wide receivers and a quarterback that can run and pass. You make a good top five tight end choice. You have to be smart to pick a good defense every week. And you pick a kicker that plays mainly indoors. Boom. Playoffs. It's that easy. It, it really is that easy. Yeah. If only Saquon didn't have Tommy DeVito and no name BS bogus. Yeah. His offense couldn't function for like half of the season. So, I mean, looking back, honestly, I like Saquon had enough boom weeks where for as bad as his team was, mm-hmm. he's like 95% usage for them. So it just, it makes yeah. it hard for me to reconsider Saquon personally, but I agree with like, I had, I had, I wanted no stock. Yeah. I wanted no stock in Derrick Henry, which ended up working out right. Yeah. Aging player, mm-hmm. no stock in him whatsoever. I mean, I didn't personally want Nick Chubb. It's not like he was aging, but he's pretty much the same age as, uh, Barkley is. Uh, and he just happened to get her, which again, it's not like I knew he was going to get her, but you're right. I think you have to watch the 26 to 27 age range with running back specifically, because that cliff comes so fast that Eckler, right. It came so fast where you just didn't even have like an ability to pivot. You're like one week, he's giving me 25 and all of a sudden he's like not used. And you're like, what's going on? Yeah. But I think I I don't want to take away from what you said about that strategy, because I I really like that you picking the young players, but there's been years where like Derek Henry has been the king and still oh, like, i mean and, there's and, exceptions there's yeah. always exceptions but this isn't about like going I, I to think, find the exception. i think that you're seeing the transition this year more clear where it's like now the new guys like kyron williams b john robinson you know james james cook even like these guys are uh rashad white they're they're kind of taking over and these guys are guys we're going to be targeting next year um and maybe even josh jacobs josh jacobs could still be yeah relevant. And, and what's what's common between all those receivers you mentioned not besides age the it's the back. Huh? Sorry. Go Usage. Ahead. <laughs> yes, but also catching the ball and running the ball. There is no such thing as just running up the middle with one guy anymore, right? Some teams will do that. And great. Good for them. Continue that philosophy, I guess. But all those players you mentioned, the youthful players, they're moving. The NBA or the NFL is transitioning from just running outside, running inside to having multiple running backs, having a guy that can catch the ball. Catching the ball out of the backfield is like priority. If you're a running back and you can't do that, you're losing a huge aspect of the game. And same reason, if you have a guy that can catch the ball out of the backfield and run, and you have a quarterback that can run and throw, you're playing with 14 players while the defense only has 11. So it's a, it's a whole yeah. different game. Yeah. Shout, shout out to the biggest exception to that rule who ended up having a historic season. 32-year-old running back Raheem Mostert doesn't give a shit about age. So uh, he's just going to score 20 touchdowns in, in a year where he should already be retired and doing like youth charities and foundations. But, you know, here we are. So uh, congratulations to him for being the exception to the rule. Anything else, guys? The season is over. We now have to, for you, you're relieved. For me, I'm just like, God damn it. I have to wait like nine months before I can have a stab at winning the ring again. So Same. different perspective for sure. Um, but do you guys have any final words heading into the off season i'm glad i get to sleep in on wednesday nights this is gonna be great yeah well, uh, yeah i think that i think that's the biggest thing that i enjoy as well is the wednesday mornings where i'm just not feeling like dog shit because it's been like 4 a.m and i'm just like <laughs> my god um but thank you guys so much for tuning in was an awesome season hope you guys won your championship uh if you didn't hope you guys learned a thing or two um we will be around for the off season obviously probably one episode a week uh we'll get creative we'll have fun with it we need to do our uh, annual jeopardy uh, episode as well where I put you guys to the knowledge um, and then yeah we'll, we'll send out schedules and everything again I'm Sweetheart that is Shove It that is Shashote we are the only playbook thank you guys so much for a fantastic season see you.